Hey moms, Brie here. Question, have you ever found yourself at a loss for words when it comes to helping your athlete daughter? Specifically, before a game when she's feeling super nervous and you just want her to be confident or in that car ride home when she's being hard on herself and you just want her to also see the good things she did out there. Now, if you have, you're not alone. It's so hard to know what to say to get her out of her head and start believing in herself. That's why I'm excited to share about our four-day What to Say Challenge happening this month. This challenge is specifically designed for moms of girl athletes to help you know what to say to build her confidence without making things worse or causing her to shut down. Even if you're often met with things like, you have to say that, you're my mom. Over the four days, we'll be together for short trainings to give you strategies and scripts so you'll never be stuck wondering what to say again. The challenge is happening May 14th through 17th, and registration is open now for early bird pricing. So you get 60% off the challenge, and you can hop in for just $19. Head to sportsmom.fyi forward slash challenge to register. That's also linked in the show notes. We kick off on Monday, May 13th with our pre-party, and I hope to see you there. Too many people rush to do more training. They're like, oh my gosh, my daughter looks out of shape or she looks a step slower in the game. And it's like, okay, well, maybe she's breathing wrong. Maybe she's a step slower because she's chronically sleep deprived. Maybe she's getting tired in the final 10 minutes of the game because she didn't have enough carbohydrates before the game, or maybe she didn't eat breakfast. So look at, look at those things first before running her in the ground and potentially giving her an overuse injury or just making things way, way worse when there's other solutions that you can focus on. Hey there, we're Christina and Brianne. And one of our greatest passions is enabling female athletes to uncover their greatness, allowing them to break free from their limitations and achieve their biggest dreams. As expert coaches and confidence and mindset educators, we created the Elite Competitor to enable moms and coaches to build lifelong confidence, resilience, and elite performance. Think of this as your weekly dose of inspiration, where you'll feel enabled with proven strategies, real-life stories, and transformative lessons. Welcome to the Elite Competitor Podcast. Hey moms, we have a special guest on the podcast today. Maybe you've heard of her. Erica Suter is a certified strength and conditioning coach in Tampa, Florida, as well as online for thousands of youth female athletes. She has worked with kids starting at elementary level, going all the way up to college for the past nine years. She believes in long-term athletic development and the gradual progression of physical training for safe and effective results. I don't know about you, but that sounds good. In this episode today, we're talking specifically about how female athletes can increase their speed and their strength, and what key drivers need to be present in their training in order to do this. So how many of you don't want your daughter to get stronger and faster? Obviously, this is a goal for many athletes. So we dive into this. We talk about the difference between the male and female physiology and why it's important to consider that when training for strength and speed. We talk about the key elements for female athletes and what they need to develop speed and strength. We talk about in-season versus out-of-season training considerations. We also chatted about the role that rest and recovery play in the performance of female athletes. And finally, we talked about what you, as your daughter's mom, should be looking for in a training program for your athlete. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Erica is incredibly knowledgeable. I learned a lot. Enjoy and remember your daughter's mental game is her biggest competitive advantage. All right. Hi, Erica. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Brianne. Super pumped to be here. Can't wait for this discussion. 
Yeah, I'm excited too. Erica recently, she, she's been involved in our communities a lot. So you came into dream team and spoke with our small group of athletes and gave them some really awesome tangible things they can be doing for rest and recovery. You talked to our moms and our sports moms in our circle. And then I got to be on your podcast. So now we're like closing the loop here. You're on our podcast. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's been a great past few months just collaborating and I'm sure we'll have more down the road, but I was just grateful to talk to your young female athletes as well as the moms and and what you guys are doing is absolutely incredible. I know my mom would definitely want a resource like yours. So I think it's just so awesome what you're doing. Oh, thanks. Well, I know my mom would want a resource like yours too. So we're going to get into that. (laughs) Today, we are talking mostly about the consistency needed for performance training and how speed and strength training need to be year round. But before we get into that, just tell us a little bit about, you know, what you do, your background a little bit. Yeah, definitely. So I'm a female athlete performance coach, and that means we basically do everything that isn't sports specific training with the ball or with a stick or with a racket. We're doing all of the gym training and getting under the iron as well as working on speed and change of direction and agility. So all the the actions that are off the ball, which is a, a high percentage of the game. So I, I've been doing this for, I'm in my 11th year now, but I had actually started off working in the skills world. So I was training young soccer players, all the, the ball work. So one V one moves, shooting, passing, trapping, first touch, all those things. And I, went to graduate school during that time to study exercise science and, and get my master's in performance and injury prevention. And the more I studied exercise fizz and injury prevention and just the power of strength training, especially for youth, that's when I made my shift from being in the skill skills world to more of the performance world. And it also was just seeing a bunch of my girls back in my first few years, just having really nagging injuries that shouldn't have been occurring at that age. So a lot of soft tissue, hip, quad, quad pulls, stress fractures. So a lot of very highly preventable injuries with just year round strength training. So it was a little bit of my education, my personal experience. And then also growing up, I had done strength training since middle school and I stayed very healthy all through high school and college. And also my, my game improved drastically physically and also mentally. So it's, it's been quite a journey and I'm just trying to give back and educate parents on what their female athletes need to stay healthy and to get faster and get stronger. Mm -hmm. Yeah. On that note of female athletes, why, why the focus there? Now, what do you see that's different in the physiology of female athletes that you wanted to focus in on? 
I'm, I'm glad you asked because I get this question a lot and it's one of my best kept secrets on social media. So I train male athletes as well. I've oh. worked yeah. And for many years, I, I worked with the ECNL boys team. So the, the highest level you can make for club soccer for boys. I also trained a lot of male college athletes. My uh, first strength and conditioning internship was at University of Maryland. I worked with the men's lacrosse team, baseball, wrestling, and it was absolutely crazy. And I still coach boys today. And there's not too much of a difference between the, the male and female training because everyone overall just needs total body strengthening. They need uh, sprint mechanics work. They need plyometrics and power development. They need high intensity conditioning so that they can run at an intensity in the game where they're not getting tired. So the training is overall similar, but the, the biggest difference I I've seen with girls is just the, the emotional and hormonal changes going on, especially during the growth spurt. So obviously female athletes go through their, their menstrual cycle, and that can definitely change not the way we train, but how we talk about recovery and how much extra they need to focus on during certain phases of their cycle where maybe they do feel extra tired or maybe they their mood is totally all over the place. There's definitely tools as far as nutrition and sleep and just overall stress management where they can navigate some of those amplified symptoms during that time. And I think with female athletes as well, they like emotionally, they they want to feel that connection with their coach first and have that trust before you give them a revolutionary program. They just want to be be your friend first. And there's definitely ways to, to go about doing that. But just developing that, that relationship and those soft skills is, is definitely key for female athletes. And over the years, I just attracted a lot of middle and high school girls. I think it's because I'm a female coach. Um, I definitely recognize that, but you know, that's not to say uh, male coaches aren't good at working with young girls. I know many uh, colleagues of mine who understand, you know, the hormonal changes really well. They do research in these areas and they, they work with female athletes at a high level. But I think just for me, it was definitely because I was a female and I got to a high level and they can relate to me. So that's definitely been a part of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. That reminds me, I, I want to have you back on the podcast to talk. I think we could do a whole episode on like menstrual cycle and like training and, and nutrition considerations for each phase. Cause that's an area that like is kind of, well, I wouldn't say it's untapped, but it's, I get a lot of questions about that. And so we could go there on a different episode. Yeah. I was just going to say that would be like another hour show. <laughs> yeah, totally. But it's super um, so interesting. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So let's get into it. What are the key drivers in developing speed and strength in youth female athletes? Okay. So number one is it needs to be year round. So year round, we're talking during the season at minimum twice a week. And then in the off season, three to four times a week, sometimes for the the high school girls going into college, the college girls four to five times a week in that off season. And I, I want the moms listening to think of performance training as 
the skills training or the tactical training that these girls do at their practices. They do that three to four times a week. So physical, the physical side of the game and developing strength and really working on sprint mechanics takes as much frequency. So something as simple as learning how to use your arms during sprinting, that's a skill. And that, that takes a lot of repetitions to really get down that muscle memory. And then in order to progress to the next thing, and that could be working on how the foot strikes the ground, that's another layer to it. And that also takes repetition. And, you know, I've been seeing this for so many years since I've been doing this, but consistency is key with this. And I, I personally don't take on clients anymore who want to get away with one day a week because I can't, I can't serve them in that way because they're not going to get the results they want. I can't promise improved speed. You know, I I could, but it's going to take a lot longer if they're training at that frequency. So that sweet spot number is two times a week at minimum year round. Mm, Okay. Two times a week at minimum year round. And you mentioned something about this in the beginning, but like, does it need to be how important is it that it's sport specific, you know, like a volleyball player versus a, a soccer player? Do they have different training considerations in that? that? Yeah, that's, that's an awesome question as well. So for the building strength side of it, everyone is pretty much the same. So you want to strengthen every single muscle group involved in that sport. And with basketball players, lacrosse, soccer, even gymnastics, you want to build quads, uh, glutes, hamstrings, upper body. And you, you want to think of your body as like your armor (laughs) and and you want it to be strong and durable to be able to handle the high velocity movements in your sport, the most violent actions in your sport. So the strength side of it is pretty similar. The, the one side of it that's going to be different is the types of energy systems used. So like a softball player, it wouldn't make sense to do like long distance running. (laughs) It it would make more sense to do more of the, the power development and the explosive work and the accelerations and shorter sprints from base to base. Whereas a lacrosse player, you want to do more of the, the aerobic, the anaerobic work, the, the high intensity conditioning, 30 seconds on 30 seconds off and manipulating that work to rest time so that they're training the specific energy systems needed for the game. So the only sport specific thing would be the, the conditioning involved and what energy systems they're using. Okay. Makes sense. And the other question that I have is, so you said it should be year round and needs to be consistent, but should it vary as a athlete is in season versus out of season? Definitely. So the, the in season is the, the one where people kind of freak out. And I totally get that because I, I get comments all the time. Oh, well, our daughter is practicing three times a week, maybe four times a week has a game on the weekend, but you're in season strength training. It doesn't need to be longer than 20 minutes. And in that 20 minutes, just make sure you're hitting each muscle group, the the main ones. So your, your hamstrings, your quads, and then a chest and then a back. And then maybe if, if you have extra time, do two hip dominant movements or two back and pulling movements, but overall it should not be longer than 20 minutes. And, and that's why I always recommend to parents, 
make sure you find a performance coach who understands that these in-season workouts don't need to be extensive. So if you're going to a performance coach and the in-season workouts are an hour, because that's what everyone does for training, it's always an hour. Half of that should be the actual strength session, but then the other half should be more of like your mobility, your recovery focus, and they're not going hard the full hour. And if you don't want to drive to a performance facility in season, then there's so many remote training options out there. I know so many amazing coaches who have such fantastic remote programs and it saves people a lot of commuting, but the remote program, it's, it's not for everyone. You have to have autonomy and self-motivation to do it, but it's, it is another option for people to get it in. There's a ton of solutions out there to get in the in-season training. Right. Yeah. I love that you bring that up too. And and I'm curious just from like, because I, I still coach volleyball players and, you know, in season, would you recommend that training be like totally separate from their practice time or like tacked on to the beginning or the end or like give them rest in between? That's a good point. And that is another option. So if, if the coach is well-versed on performance and can incorporate a, a good warm up or any sort of like hip or core work at practice that would go a long way. It's it's definitely better than nothing. And as far as just the order of exercises, you could do a lot of the strength work at the end after the the technical and tactical stuff because that involves a lot of like thinking and focus. Mm-hmm. So definitely if coaches want to do that, have that at the beginning of practice and then at the end just a lot, like 10, 20 minutes, if possible, if you can, for any on, on field, on court strength. Mm-hmm. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. And then what about considerations that parents and athletes need to be aware of when it comes again, specific to the female athletes body and like areas that need to be, strength? I know you said like everyone needs total body strength, but are there considerations we want to make sure that we're incorporating or seeing in whatever program our daughters are doing? So for the strength side of it, overall, a lot of girls have extremely weak hamstrings and glutes as well as upper posterior muscles. And those muscle groups play a big role in explosive power, speed, and also the stability of the knee. Mm -hmm. I've started to change my messaging recently and putting less of the focus on prevent ACL (laughs) Mm. because I don't want to get that in a girl's psyche. Oh my gosh. Like ACL injuries. I focus more on, Hey, let's get you strong so that you can be extremely fast and agile and powerful. And yes, girls are at a higher risk for ACL, but we don't need to really tell them that, like, what's the point? It's like, you know, what solution are you providing? And it's, it's not that, you know, female athletes get ACL injuries more because they're female. There's actually a lot of male athletes who get it too. And that's not talked about, but female athletes get ACL injuries because they're, they're weak and their, their body isn't resilient enough to handle all those practices, all those games, all of those high velocity change of direction and cutting movements, and then the jumping and landing. So really focus on that strength first and use that in, 
in your messaging. And as I say this, I'm in the process of taking injury prevention off my website oh, and just yeah. so solely focused on performance. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> because they're one in the same. They're the same yeah. thing, you know? <laughs> right. Because if you're strong and fast and performing at a high level, you're going to be preventing those injuries, right? Yeah. And you don't need to say like, oh, ACL prevention program. It's it's the same thing. It's a synonym, you know? <laughs> oh, I love that. Cause it's totally mindset too. Like what you, you're, the words that you use, what you focus on expands, like that's like our mm-hmm. side of the, the game. And yeah, I can totally see great shift. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because like, even like girls, in like sixth, fifth grade, they're like hearing ACL, this ACL, that like from their coaches, parents, just all these adults. And it's like, well, imagine what's going on in their head. Like, Mm -hmm. is it making them more hesitant? Are they scared to go in for a tackle and play contact? Are they scared to be aggressive? So it's really important to use our words wisely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh gosh. I love that. Wait, wait to notice that. Cause that's huge <laughs> and empowering for our female athletes too. Like let's be strong and fast. Not like mm-hmm. let's just hesitate. And yeah. Yeah. Let's protect and prevent. It's like, no, let's just be strong. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, totally. Okay. Now rest and recovery. We know that that's important. You talked at length with our dream team athletes and with our moms about rest and recovery. So can you give us just like a short glimpse on like what the importance of rest and recovery is and how athletes can best do that. Yeah. So this is a topic that like gets me in trouble sometimes because I think a lot of people are still very set in the 1990s in their ways. So first of all, the, let me just say this, the, the guy who invented the, the rice technique, rest, ice, compression, elevation, he now has said, don't ice. So we probably should listen to the guy who invented it, um, right. but just real quick. So recovery, it's, it's not icing. It's not going to cryo. It, it might provide a, a temporary relief, like a mental relief, more like numb the pain, but it's not going to help it internally the, the muscle recover or the, the injured joint or sore, sore joint to feel better or less sore. So recovery is really like proper nutrition. So making sure that you're definitely getting enough uh, protein. I just had a registered dietitian come on to one of my group calls and she said 25 to 30 grams uh, per meal because Mm -hmm. protein is the, it's the building blocks of, of our bodies and our, and our muscles need it for recovery and to rebuild again, because after we play, after we practice hard, our muscles are breaking down so fast that we need to get that nourishment back in so that they're not fatigued the next day. And then just making sure you're, you're also getting carbohydrates because they, they help with your energy and then healthy fats too. Sometimes it's, it's really good, especially if you have joint pain. So healthy fats like avocados, fish oils, nut butters as well. And then beyond the nutrition, there's sleep and sleep is when your, your muscles repair themselves, but also your brain also resets and everyone's sport has decision-making in it. So it's really critical that the brain is rejuvenated so that the the next practice or game, you can think sharply, you can react quickly and your, your body's not going into just these faulty movement patterns or you're taking a wrong step and that leads to injury. Mm-hmm. So those are the main two, but I would add on how you breathe as well. So 
nose breathing is something I'm obsessed with. And if you want to research more, I recommend checking out James Nestor and Patrick McCowan's work. And what they talk about just blows my mind. And they work with high level athletes who have just been breathing wrong their whole lives. And the the whole idea is breathing through the nose with the mouth closed is critical. So your body can recover and get into that rest and digest state. And you're tapping into your parasympathetic nervous system. Um, if you're chronically mouth breathing and your mouth is open, then your body is in a chronically stressed out state. And even when you're, you know, recovering from a hard run in a game, mm-hmm. when you're at rest, making sure you're getting oxygen back just through your nose, because you're going to fill your lungs with more oxygen that way. And it's going to be much quicker for you to be able to do that, that same sprint again, because you got that oxygen in. So I would say breathing is definitely like the icing on the cake to recovery. And I try to close my mouth throughout the whole day. I do it when I sleep, I tape my mouth uh, and it's, it sounds crazy, but it's an actual thing. And it's, it's been absolutely life-changing. Gosh. Yeah. I need my husband to listen to this podcast. I bought him some mouth tape and I think he thinks I'm trying to kill him. Like- oh my gosh. So, and people get freak out about that, but it, it it's impossible for that to happen because before that would happen, your body would be so stressed out and your heart would race and you would wake up before, and then you would pull off the tape. And that happened in my first few nights. Cause I was freaking out, mm-hmm. but it's something you have to push past. And once you push past it, you literally get the most wholesome sleep, even if you get six hours, but your nose breathing in that six hours, you will still feel rested. Mm, okay. I'm sold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm a nose breather. I don't know. I think, yeah, it takes some time for, for people who like have just always been breathing through their mouth. Like that's a huge, huge shift. So yeah. it's, it's huge. And, and, it, and it's such a, it's a small fix too. Mm-hmm. And even like girls who complain about, you know, their endurance being bad when we fix their breathing first, it actually fixes their endurance. So they don't necessarily need more conditioning drills. We just need to make their breathing more efficient. Mm. Wow. This is like mind blowing. So yeah, <laughs> I'm still, I'm still blown by all the new research coming out. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely, it, it's so incredible, but it's because it's so simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I see, we see this in like the mental training part of it too. Like when an athlete is getting like suboptimal results, automatically what we go to, what, what I see a lot of moms go to is let's get them back in the gym and just rep it out, rep it out. You know, let's get, get more physical training, like in the actual sport, but like, what about all these other things like sleep, nutrition, how they're breathing, what they're thinking about, like this holistic approach is where it's at. Yeah. And, and too many people rush to do more training. They're like, oh my gosh, my daughter looks out of shape or she looks a step slower in the game. And it's like, okay, well, maybe she's breathing wrong. Maybe she's a step slower because she's chronically sleep deprived. Maybe she's getting tired in the final 10 minutes of the game because she didn't have enough carbohydrates before the game, or maybe she didn't eat breakfast. So look at, look at those things first before running her in the ground and potentially giving her an overuse injury or just 
making things way, way worse when there's other solutions that you can focus on. Right. Wow. That's so important. Yeah. Then she'll really be behind. She's overuse injury. Well, she's going to be super behind. She'll be on the bench. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like not worth it in the long run. Usually it's in like the simple things that are the most powerful. Right. Right. Awesome. Okay. So for parents that are, you know, they're realizing that the, the key to performance training is that consistency year round training, also looking at the big drivers like nutrition, sleep, how they're breathing. But when they're looking at training programs, are there any things that things that they should, any red flags, I guess what I'm trying to say, red flags, like avoid this because of what you see. How much time do you have? I'm like, man, there's probably a lot of things. Yeah, there are a lot of things. And the, the first one is if you go to a performance coach and they don't do any sort of initial assessment, that's a red flag because it's like, well, how are they tracking progress that their program works? And it sounds so simple, but there's a lot of people out there that don't do that. They just throw together random workouts. There's no progress tracking. There's no rhyme or reason behind the progression. So that's number one. Number two, making sure they communicate with you. Hey, what's, what's your practice schedule? And just like really getting to know like what your schedule is so that they can work around it and customize the program to your daughter. And then just some other things like if they're saying they're a speed trainer and I, I made a, a reel on this today, but if they're mm-hmm. saying they're a speed trainer and they're doing drills that are longer than 30 seconds, even 10 seconds, that's not true speed training. That's more conditioning. So make sure that the speed trainer is doing sprints that last less than six seconds and they're timing everything. Again, they're doing the progress tracking and they're, they're really looking at the data and improving these sprint times. Too often parents will hire speed trainers that just do ladder drills, the whole session, just tons of running, um, at half effort, speed training has to be max effort for time. So those are just some red flags to look at. And just overall, you know, a coach who doesn't really listen to the needs or maybe like the the medical history of the female athlete or doesn't work around injuries or special needs, that's also a red flag. Right. Okay. Those are great things to be looking out for. On the other side of this, I know that you have awesome resources for parents, for athletes. So where can our listeners find you and find what you have for their daughters and for, for, for them? Sure. So I am mainly hanging out on Instagram and Twitter. My handle is fit soccer queen. So you can find a ton of free content there. I'm always tweeting and making videos with various workouts for female athletes. If you want to like really learn more and get started on your strength and speed journey, then I do recommend starting with the strong female athlete book first, because it it outlines some things that you could start on at home and just some of the basics your young girl should be doing every day. There's a fitness test in the book So you can see how fit your daughter actually is. Mm -hmm. And I'll be honest, like a lot of people who have done these tests were like, holy crap, we really failed. And it's like, well, like 
I'm telling you, female athletes need this stuff and it's, it's okay. You just need to get started. So definitely start with the book first. And then if if you want to reach out on Instagram or or Twitter, I I also do remote coaching as well. Mm -hmm. Nice. And tip for moms and daughters, because we talk about this a lot in our programs. Can they do the fitness testing together? Would that be, would that be a thing? (laughs) Yes, I highly encourage that. And the the most success I've seen with my my in-person as well as my remote athletes is the parents join them in the assessments and the program. And, you know, I even look back to like when I was growing up, my mom always worked out with me and that always inspired me to constantly just work on my health and work on my strength. So it's super powerful if mom's join their daughters and not just, you know, don't micromanage, please don't criticize form. Cause she's going to hate working out with you, but just, yeah, definitely just work out and have fun. Right. Yeah. Love that. This has been great, Erica and super eye-opening. I know super valuable for our community. So thank you. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right. Well, we will be in touch soon. Yeah, definitely. All right, moms, remember your daughter's mental game is her biggest competitive advantage. See you later. I hope you enjoyed that episode, moms. Quick reminder that registration is open for our What to Say Challenge happening May 14th through 17th. Head over to register so you can join us to learn proven strategies and game-changing scripts you'll keep in your back pocket for those pre- and post-game pep talks. The challenge is just $19 during our earlier pricing happening right now. So head to sportsmom.fyi forward slash challenge. That's also linked in the show notes, and I will see you there.